Can you imagine what it would be like to move down to Mexico? You're on a mission. You've got a purpose. You've got something to do there. You're there with your husband. You're starting a family. And then all of a sudden, the organization you're working with, just you're abandoned. You've got no resources. That is what happened with our guest that we have today on this episode. She has gone from there to becoming an international businesswoman with expertise in relationship marketing. And we are going to have a great conversation. Welcome to Seat Go Create, redefine success in leadership, business, and ministry. We are continuing this month of October, if you're listening to this during the month that this episode drops, we're continuing to celebrate our one-year anniversary, and we have just released t-shirts that have Seat Go Create. They have redefined success. They've got our branding on them, and we're giving those away. We're giving away t-shirts, we're giving away mugs, we're giving away stickers, we're giving away other things. So I encourage you to participate in all of that because we want to give them away to you. Go to seekgocreate.com. That's seekgocreate.com. And you can put your email address in at the bar at the very top of the page and you will be eligible and you'll be kept up to date on everything that's going on during this anniversary celebration month for Seat Go Create. Thank you for participating, and I just appreciate you listening and being a part of this Seat Go Create community. Now, let's move on and get to our guest interview for this week. Today we have Katie Horner as our guest. Katie's a popular author, online business coach, mentor, and international speaker whose forte is course creation and curriculum development, followed closely by relationship marketing. You can bet we're gonna talk about that. She currently coaches entrepreneurs from her home abroad in Mexico where she lives with her husband and she is home educating their five children. That is so cool. And she's leading the homeschool movement in Latin America. She's also the author of over 50 published books, and many of those are Amazon bestsellers. Katie, welcome to Seek Go Create. Thank you so much, Tim. I'm excited to be here with you guys today. I am so glad you're here also, and we're just gonna have fun with this conversation. I, I was mentioning earlier, I'm excited that I am back in my RV. I actually was on an actual solid ground sticks and bricks home, which we, when you live in an RV, you kind of like go, mm, just want to get back in my RV. For the, so for those that can actually <laughs> see this, they can see that I'm in my RV. I have my prison stripe uh, chair behind me here with my colors and all of that. Katie, the question I love to ask first, just to have people give us their, I don't know, elevator pitch, their, you know, story, whatever. If we bump into each other at, at, at church or a cocktail party or on an elevator or whatever. And I say, Katie, what do you do? What do you tell me? 
Well, I believe that the Lord has called me to raise up an army of believers in the marketplace who can reveal God's glory by embracing their own uniqueness so they can confidently give the message they were given to give. And so a lot of what I do is empowering other people to do what they were created to do. And sometimes that is in training and sometimes that is in encouragement and sometimes that is in believing in them until they can believe for themselves. But um, basically helping Christian business owners do and be who God created them to be for this time. Sure. Now, I was when I was checking out your stuff and all your websites and all that, it seems as if I won't use the word discriminate, but it seems as if you focus on women. Is that correct? Do you work with any guys? Can you help us out too? <laughs> I have worked with guys in the past and I'm not opposed to working with guys, um, but the ones that I attract are mainly women and mainly women older than me. So, you know, it's, it's like, if you have, if you have a, if you serve the niche of single moms, there's going to be married moms that come along and learn from you as well. And I just sort of feel like, that's that's where I am. I'm I'm have more women attracted to me, so I go for that. And if the men want to come along, then you're certainly welcome. I, I get it. I, I'm just I'm probably just kind of digging at you a little bit to see because it, <laughs> it was. And you, and you know what? You, that that's an important. Let's let's go ahead and talk marketing. It's important to know who your audience is, right? Right, right. Yeah. And, and it, it is for me. It's it's women age 45 and older generally who are most attracted to what I do. Right. Well, so something interesting that you, that you may find intriguing. When I first started doing what I was doing with the podcast, and and we're about to be you know having YouTube channel and things, I I really thought that I'm a 56 year old male that I would most likely, and I've been a business guy, and I kind of sometimes talk sort of tough, not maybe not really, but and. Um, and I really thought that I would, my audience would be males, you know, kind of in my age bracket, 40 to 60, maybe business people, entrepreneurs and things like that. Well, when I look at my metrics, when I look at my listeners for the podcast, when I look at people that are visiting my podcast, it is around 60 to 70% women. And I don't think it's because I look good or anything like that. I, it must be, it must be just the message resonates and you know what? I'm cool with that. So, so there's probably a lot of your audience listening right now and I'm excited that they get to hear from you. So anyway, I, I do want to ask before I get started here, kind of, you know, we're recording this and, and I believe that we're going to be recording a, a lot of this over the next number of months in just odd times you know we're just really in weird times worldwide there's a pandemic none of us alive know how to deal with a pandemic and uh and you and your family are not in the united states you're outside the state so first thing i really have been wanting to ask people is how is everyone doing everyone's safe give us a glimpse of where you are and and what's going on around you so that people can just, I guess, know what's going on in other parts of the world. Right. So uh, we basically have been homebound since the end of March. Um, I went to uh, Nancy Lee DeMoss hosted a large women's conference in Monterey in March. And that was the last time we were really away from home. <laughs> um, we took our, our Lemon Haas curriculum up there and had a were able to, to serve her people at that event. And then coming back from that, everything shut down. And here in Mexico, 
um, they pretty much copy whatever the US mandates are and just maybe a couple of weeks behind. And so we've been, we've been shut down um, pretty much since it first happened. Um, and, you know, my husband is the only one that goes out. So he's doing our shopping for us and they're only allowing one person per family into the stores and you have to have the face mask and, you know, pretty much what you're seeing in most places in the States is happening here as well. Um, they're not, we haven't done any interstate travel. Um, my son's doctor is in Merida and the next state over from us. We have not we have not been able to travel to go and do doctor's appointments or anything like that even. So just basically staying home, but you know, we are a homeschool family. And so we were used to staying home quite a bit. It's not like we enclose ourselves and just forget the world, but um, my oldest is very social and she has probably had the worst time of anyone because her exercise classes have been canceled and her, um, she does the, in Spanish is danza ideal where they have the silk ropes that are tied real high and you do like acrobatics. Um, and so she's, she's been months now without that. And that's been very heartfelt. Um, but she's taking online violin lessons and we're having family movie nights more often. And we, you know, we've got a trampoline in the backyard for family time. And so things like that, and we're just making the best of it like everybody else is. Sure. And, and I was going to ask, so you, so you and your husband have been able to tie those silk things from the ceiling somewhere and let her do that. That <laughs> We could, we could. Our house is, uh, we have a 250 some year old colonial house wow. with the, the wood beams and everything. So, so we do have the space where we could do that, but I am not trained as a spotter. And so I'm a little concerned about just turning them loose um, without someone who knows what they're doing to, to be right there in case something were to go wrong. So uh, we haven't we haven't put up the silk ropes yet. <laughs> that is, I actually have seen that. And the only thing that I can recall that I've seen someone do that is I think the music artist Pink did it at the Grammy Awards one year or something like that. And it is phenomenal. I mean, that is... It's really cool to watch. Is it is it nervousy at all as a parent uh, to well, watch? Well, I, I would if I was younger, I would do it. Um, really, I I, enjoy, I like heights, and I've always liked you know the out of the ordinary things. And she definitely takes after me in quite a lot of things. Um, but I think it's really cool to watch. I love seeing them do their twists and turns and acrobatics on that. So. Wow. Wow. That is very cool. All right. So you, something that I, I, I love, especially people that are in a, I guess a coaching and entrepreneur and, and you guys also have brought in, you, you got ministry and we're going to talk some about that as we go through our conversation. But, you know, there's a perception that a lot of us have that people that are in roles like that, and especially when you bring all of those together, that that their lives are totally awesome all the time and they've got their act totally together and that that yeah i know you're laughing i know i am i'm, I'm kind of chuckling too because we know it's a little bit different but but that that when all of a sudden they're told they're in lockdown and they can't do anything they don't really have to change anything because everything was so awesome and cool in the first place what what will you what will you and your family do differently because of the experience you've had during this time 
because really everything in the states everything's been peeled away there's no sports there's no entertainment i mean you can have movie nights but you know there's really not no theater there's not a lot of new entertainment i mean there's some but what what we all do differently what are you going to take away as a family from this time that we've had well i think one of the reasons that we enjoy living in mexico is because the the pace is so much slower. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if the importance is on the important things, much the way it may have been in my grandparents' earlier days um, in the U.S., where uh, it seems like when we go back to the States, everybody is hurry, hurry, hurry. Everybody's got their own schedule. You know, parents have schedules and kids have schedules, and there's, you know, so much going on. It was almost as if no one had time to visit with us, even though we had just taken a month out of our life to come back to the States and, and make a visit, you know, because by the time you get seven airplane tickets, you sure you gotta make the time worth this expenditure, you know? Um, and and we really, we've, we have felt that hard in several occasions. And that's one of the reasons we like Mexico is that if somebody comes to visit and knocks on your door, even unexpectedly, everything stops. And the relationship is most important, right? And and so I think having seen what's happened with the shutdowns in the States and having experienced it ourselves here, for us, it was almost like a going back to what's important. It's going back to having time to sit and talk with your family and having time to make phone calls to people that you never would have talked to otherwise because their schedule's so full they can't answer the phone, right? Um, it's seeing my kids texting their grandparents back and forth now or um, and them asking if they can call their cousins for a video call, you know, whereas before life was too busy for that. And now we're much more, I think, connected because we've been forced to slow down. Yeah, and that, that is so good. I've had someone on a recent call talk about that there's just more white space. And white space, mm-hmm. I think, is free time or not busy, not, and and we notice that. Yeah, I know homeschool is going to be a topic that we have here. We noticed that when this was back in the '90s. We have grown children now. We were joking, I think, before we turned this on, that we homeschooled our children and we didn't mess them up as best as far as we can tell. We didn't. So, uh, but but one of the things we noticed is when they were going to school, and these were in early elementary ages. They were at school for eight hours and they would come home and they would have homework for another whatever. And we went to homeschool. All of a sudden, we had massive amounts of time available. Now, we were business people. We were entrepreneurs, so we had a lot going on business-wise, but we didn't have the busyness of school. And is that common? I mean, I know we're kind of jumping into homeschool because I actually want to, I want to tie a lot of things together. So allow me to weave and, and, and go around sure. here. But, um, but because of what's going on, I think a lot of people are in this forced homeschool or school from home or online school mode. Do you think people are going to come to that realization? I think if they allow themselves to stop and think about it, they could come to that realization. A lot of us are, are really scared to be quiet, to be quite honest. Um, there, are, there are things that we don't want to think about or that we don't want to face. Uh, um, and, and if I'm quiet, then I might be faced with thinking about that or having to deal with that. And so I think if we really let ourselves have the time and the space to be quiet and have that time to think, that you're gonna see how beneficial it is. 
and just just to not be in such a rush and to have time to be you know my kids said well i'm bored what do i do now it's like go think right go go create something go read a book go listen to an audiobook go do something that you wouldn't normally do we have just become so accustomed to being so busy that we forget how good it is just to have time to think or to converse or to um journal or draw or do things that we wouldn't have ever done before because there was no time to do it and um i i you know my kids are bored that's not a problem for me i was like that's fine go be bored bored is when you come up with some of your best ideas and so really encouraging them to to find ways to be creative and expressing themselves when when there's nothing else to do apparently i i know you work with a lot of people and i think you work with a lot of diver, diverse people different cultures and most likely worldwide you mentioned something just a second ago. You said that you believe that most people are scared to be still or be, I think you said to be quiet. I, I, I inserted the word still. Why do you think mm -hmm. that is? I mean, ha, have you analyzed yourself on that? Because I've actually put some thought about myself and yeah. then I also work with a lot of people also. What are your thoughts about that? Why? Well, I can speak from, from personal experience we grew up in a a culture and even a, a spiritual culture in which there was a lot of superimposed judgments. Um, there were there were judgments on what you what you wore and what you did and what you studied and who you went places with and everything everything was a judgment call superimposed on you and it wasn't until I went through a lot of the life experiences that the Lord walked us through where we had to decide for ourselves what we were judging for our own actions and whether or not that pleased God instead of basing everything we did off of everybody else's judgments. It wasn't until I did a lot of that soul searching that says, why am I doing this? Is there is there a Bible reason or is there a desire here or is it just to please people and things like that? And and I realized that a lot of what I'd done my entire life was because of other people's superimposed judgments. And it took getting quiet and asking, what do I really believe? Because it all comes back to beliefs is what what do I really believe about what God is doing here? What do I really believe about what he thinks of me and of the ministry that he has put before me? Um, and I think a lot of us are, are okay with just going with those judgments and doing what's expected because it's expected. And then I will be okay in everybody's eyes and never having to stop and deal with what is God saying to me about this? And so that's where I think that that comment comes from is that we would all be better off if we could put aside the outside judgments and just take it to the Lord and his word and say, what are you saying about me and what you want me to do? And, you know, how, how do I do that without worrying about the other, the other judgments in my life? Yeah, that, I think that's so good because I agree if I'm not spending some quiet time it, for me, the way my brain works, I, I'm not hearing, I believe I'm not hearing what the Lord, what his instructions are. And the more 
I'll say it this way, the more mature I get, or the more mature I think I get, that's really all I desire right. is to try to hear what, what he's trying to give me instructions for. So there's... And sometimes I don't think it's even as... It doesn't have to be the big things necessarily either, but even the simple things like, what do I want my day to look like? What do I want my week to look like? Um, a lot of the ladies that I'm, I'm coaching is like, well, what's your ideal work week? What does it look like? And then why are you not doing that? Right? Like, oh, I only want to work. I only want to work three days a week. Well, what's making you work the other two? Like, how could you, how can you rearrange that? Or people like, oh, I want to take a vacation with the family someday. Right? Well, why not next month? Like, why is it not on the calendar? What's keeping you back from doing that? And, and when we don't get quiet, we don't give ourselves time to think and ask ourselves those questions. What is holding me back? Why do I think I need to have $500,000 in the bank before I can take a vacation with the family? You know, like, why is it not on the calendar for two months from now? And let's just do it because we're not going to, like, who's promised tomorrow? <laughs> if you want it to be that way, then you've got to make an action today to make it happen. But you don't ever get to the point of making that action until you've had the quiet or the stillness to sit down and decide this is what you want to do or what God is asking you to do. One thing you mentioned earlier that the pace has been slower for you and for your family in Mexico, and obviously y'all are from the States, and we may get go, go over a little bit of background in just a moment just to kind of catch up and find out how you came to be where you are. But, you know, when I, when I introduced you, I mentioned you've had 50 self-published books, you've created courses, you, you know, are leading the, the, the home education movement in Latin America. This is kind of one of these questions that it's hard to do a real A-B split test on this. But do you think that you and your husband would have been as prolific if you had stayed in the United States? Absolutely not. And gone, absolutely not. Tell the person listening why that is. I think it's all related to what we're doing and because some people are wondering, I've been wanting to write a book forever and you've written 50 and we're going to talk about Faith Like Flamingos in a moment too, uh, the one you just have, have out. But this is digging deeper, I think. <laughs> I think it's digging deeper because in all likelihood, it's one of the reasons that you ended up where you ended up. And it's the divine hand of the Lord that had his hand on you, even through a lot of probably things you would rather not go through again. Yes, for sure. So, for sure. so talk to us a little bit more about that before we move on yeah. into some of these other items. I don't think we would have been as productive and as prolific as we have been if we had not moved to Mexico. And the main reason is like, I never planned to be a business owner. I never planned to be a business coach. That was the last thing in my head ever since I was, in middle school, my goal was to be a missionary on foreign soil somewhere. And it, in ninth grade, you know, a lot of people in, in evangelical circles, at least will have that surrendering moment. You know, I surrendered to the Lord's call for this, that, or the other thing. And um, usually it's, it's them saying, okay, God, I give in, I'll go serve you and do what you want me to do. On my end, I had to get to the point where I was willing to stay in the States if that was what God wanted for me. Like that was my surrender because my heart was overseas ever since I was a small child. And 
had we not come to Mexico, we would not have gone through all of the experiences that the Lord walked us through. Um, many of them extremely hard, many of them wonderful, but each of those experiences made us who we are. And at each step along the way, the Lord was refining things and was doing things in our lives that allowed us to share those with others in the courses and the books and the materials that we've been able to create. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that had we stayed in the States, we would not be doing anything close to what we're doing right now. Right, right. And and maybe we'll talk about that journey because I love, I love to see how things develop because my guess, I might even ask you this question. If you were to go back and tell young you, Katie, who all you thought about was missions, what you would be doing now would would as as young Katie would you be excited or would you be disappointed that you weren't doing traditional I'll call it traditional missions the, was there was it a pretty narrow was it a pretty narrow view of what yeah. God could use you for maybe I always knew he was going to use me in education um and one of the reasons that I got a, a degree in elementary education and a master's degree in education administration curriculum development was because I knew that missionaries could get into countries as educators and they could not get in as on a ministry visa. Right. And I didn't know where he was sending me. And I knew that no matter what you do, you're teaching someone something. And I love to teach. I love the, the light that goes off when somebody finally gets it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't think that part would surprise me. I think if you went back and told, you know, newly married Katie that someday you're going to be running businesses instead of, you know, asking churches to send support every month, that would probably surprise me. But then even then, I almost wish I could have told myself that because it would have saved us a lot of struggle. But, you know, even, I don't know that it would have, I don't know that it would have taken you back necessarily just kind of interesting on how, how that's going to happen exactly. Right. Yeah. I don't know what that would mean. So, and, and it's one of these kind of weird questions. So thanks for humoring <laughs> me there. Anyway. Yeah. Um, tent making missions is something that you guys talk about and, and you really give a lot of detail on it on, on one of your websites. Tell us what that is and how that came to be. And maybe this is a time we can go over a little bit of your story. And I, I really do want to get into a lot of business and things. So, um, so let's, let's uh, keep that in mind. Don't, please don't let me go right. down a rabbit hole because there's a <laughs> lot of places I could go down here. I know <laughs> you right. help, well, help me, Katie, help me interview you. So well, <laughs> traditional missions, uh, I guess to understand tent making, you need to understand traditional. And if, if there are people listening who don't understand um, traditional missions from an evangelical um, perspective or, or more conservative perspective, what we had to do when we decided that God wanted us to come work in Mexico, originally we were gonna work at a Bible college. We were there for three years in support roles, but we had to raise our own support to do that. So essentially we went around and campaigned for ourselves um, to ch any church that would have us all across the United States um, and said, this is what we believe God has called us to do. This is who we're going to help. This is what we'll be doing. And we need people to pledge support financially so that we can go and do this. 
And when we went originally to the Bible college, we'd been doing deputation full-time for three years, trying to raise that support. They call it deputation. Um, some churches or, or religious organizations will, will allow you to just host a few meetings and then they'll collectively gather support and send it. We, ours didn't work that way. From the independent Baptist perspective, we had to literally raise every single dollar that was gonna come in. But once it was raised, it was not promised, like there was no guarantee that that would come in. And so every month, it's just whatever people sent you. You were totally dependent, living on faith in whatever they would they would send. Um, and so we, we were three years at the Bible college. Um, and then we felt like the Lord was moving us to a, a children's home ministry on the other side of Mexico, on the, the Eastern coast of Mexico, where a, a missionary couple that had been in my life ever since I was a child, they had come to Mexico some 40 years before, and he had planted several churches and together they had started this children's home work and she was looking for he had died she was looking for someone to sort of take it over after her and invited my husband and i to come and be that couple we already spoke spanish we already loved children we were already in mexico um but in in the leaving of the first ministry to move to the second there was a whole lot of mud that hit the fan and we ended up uh, basically being black blacklisted and name smeared to all of our supporters and it was just not not an easy thing to walk through, but we knew that God was leading us over here. That's what kept us going in the midst of it. And so we sold everything again, went back through the state, said goodbye to everyone again, explained ourselves as best we could to everyone we needed to, and moved back over here to Mexico. We arrived um, eight months pregnant with child number four. We had 15 suitcases and three kids with us when we came, and that's all we had. And nine months into the children's home ministry, she, uh, the, the missionary lady comes to us and, and lets us know that she'd brought us on under false pretenses. She wanted us there, but her staff did not. Her staff was not in agreement with her bringing in outside leadership for the future and basically said, you're not welcome anymore. You need to go. And we're like, go where? We've just had two ministry changes now in less than a year. We've lost all kinds of financial support, all kinds of, of, emotional support even we people telling us well you're not you'll never be able to work with anyone or why don't you just go back to the states and get a real job we didn't have the money to go back to the states and get a job if we wanted to we had no work visa we were here on a ministry visa um and so we're just like obviously god designs these steps right lord you brought us here not a person not a ministry what are we supposed to be seeing? What are we supposed to be doing here? What's the next step for us? And really started seeking him about how do we do this? We didn't want to leave Mexico. Our hearts had been here ever since we were, my husband and I both were young, young teens. Um, that we didn't want to go back to the States and work a job and, you know, be normal Christian people in the church every Sunday. You know, we wanted to serve the Lord. This has been our, our whole goal for our whole life. But now it wasn't looking like we thought it was going to look. What do we do? And so the transition into tent making then was we've got to find a way to support our family. And so when you think about Paul in the New Testament and how he would go into different cities and he would make tents, that was his career. That was his job. That was what he knew how to do to make money. And he would position himself in the market and make tents and sell them. But as he was working, he was having conversations with the people and he was able to witness and tell them of the Lord while he was making and while he was selling and while, you know, while he was marketing his tents. 
And so that is, that's sort of what we took on for ourselves is what business could we create that would eventually sustain the family and the ministry that we feel God is calling us to do. And in the midst of all this, we realized how much we'd been living under the fear of man because every decision that we'd made for the last four years, five years had been, if we do this, who's not going to like it and stop sending support because we depended on that support every month. Um, you know, and whatever came in, well, we we're going to buy our groceries. We're going to pay our light bill and buy some gas. And then whatever's left, we'll just have to make do with until the next month. We didn't have any way to make anymore. And now we did. Now we had the opportunity to get a, uh, a, a, a work visa, a work permit, and we were able to establish a, a Mexican business for what became Lemon Haas. And we started this curriculum company that is now the only literature-based mm. homeschool curriculum that exists in the Spanish-speaking world today. Mm. So when you think of like My Father's World or Sunlight or some of those other companies, those of you who are listening and understand homeschool curriculum, our curriculum is very similar to those, but it's the only one that like this, the, this method in the Spanish language. And we're able to um, host trainings for parents online and give classes and conferences and things. We are the first ones in history that we know of to do a virtual conference to train parents in Spanish how to homeschool. Um, no one had done that before we did. And last year was our second year. We had over 5,000 families from around the world who attended that conference. We're expecting it to double again this year. So, you know, just amazing how, you know, we thought we would be in this little ministry of 30 kids for the rest of our lives. And we were okay with that. And then God said, nope, I got a different plan. But we wouldn't have seen it had we not been there, right? And at each of those steps, all you got to see is the next step. And he, he leads and he guides the way he wants to take you. And it's, it's just been amazing that now we, we're yeah. reaching families all around the world and we never, never would have seen that coming. Right. Uh, I do. I want to ask because I, I love, you know, business 101 is identifying a problem and solving it. And you did that. There's, there's not anything purer or more uh basic in in the way you did that and i love that that is so exciting because people so many times say what can i do you solved a problem and when you solve a problem there is some i call it provision but let's say financial reward that can come with that but i, I want to ask there are some things that have bothered me for some time i went on a missions trip when i was in bible school about three four years ago I want to be cautious how I say this, but I, I, anyway, I've just got to say it. It was one of the worst experiences of my life um, because it was so manufactured. I've been a business guy. I was saved in a business setting. So to me, I've never separated out business and ministry. It, I, I didn't grow up thinking I'm going to go into ministry. I grew up thinking I'm going to make me a boatload of money and people need to get out of my way. And so what the Lord did with me is he softened my heart over the years and, and other things like that, um, hopefully. And, um, but I, I, I always was somewhat bothered by that model. I'll just go ahead and say the, the model of raise money, 
and especially raise money in the United States. You don't, you don't really see people raising money anywhere other than the United States, going to another country, taking the gospel, which there is, I, I love, I dig that. Don't, don't get me wrong. I dig that. But kind of constantly having to have the money flow from the states over there and 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 I can't picture what it would be like. Well, we've supported missions, so I, I, I kind of know this. Like, let's just say y'all were to get a nice new car. You know, I know the thoughts that go through the people, especially with social media now, that are supporting if all of a sudden they see, you know, they see Tap and Katie in a nice new car in this other country. There are things that go through people's minds like, wait, hold on a second. What are they doing with this money and all that? So can you can you talk a little bit about have you has your perspective of the model changed at all with the experiences you've gone through? And and I'm not listen, I don't want to bash traditional, but I right. do think we need to always get better. Maybe that's the way I could say exactly. it. Yeah. Uh we yes. The personal personal experience, and we've had a we've had a couple of car experiences. Ah, um, so oh, so I didn't mean to step on of, any toes. <laughs> <laughs> no, one uh, one of the the instigators in in our expulsion from the first um, ministry was the fact that we were given a brand new car for our family, and that that created created some issues with people that didn't feel it was appropriate or didn't feel that. Um, we're, we're afraid that it made the ministry a target because we were driving a new van and things like that. And, and then we've had here in, in Campeche, we have had an instance where our, our van, the timing belt broke going down the road at full speed and, and completely totaled the engine. Um, and so we have, we've been, you know, here, we, my oldest is 15, almost 15 and our youngest is six. And for the last three years, all seven of us have been cramming in a little four door car because we just haven't been able to get all the money together to replace that other one, even, even with our businesses and things coming in. And, um, you may hear some noise right now. The, the rain has started up again here. I'm not sure if that's going to I don't hear it here. Listen, I I live in an RV. My listeners are used to hearing rain on the roof, so no worries. (laughs) It's rainy season where I live, and that means rain almost every day until the end of November right now. And so it's just started up again. But perfect. um, Yeah. So so definitely that is a thing. And when we were helping, we went through after the children's home ministry. We transitioned into helping a couple of different local pastors here, and there were there were issues there where there were. Um, I, I don't want, I don't know if it's false beliefs, if it's lack of maturity, lack of training, probably definitely that, but beliefs that the, the missionaries are supposed to float things, you know, and, and the one national pastor wanted to know how much we made so he could be sure we were tithing the right amount for his salary at the church. Um, and this was, you know, after we had already volunteered to pay the church rent for six months. So there is definitely, you know, my husband says it's it's time for American missionaries to pass the torch, right? When you're when you're doing relationship business like we are now with the homeschool materials, like relationship ministry from your business or relationship ministry from the the coffee shop or something like that, that's totally different than a completely externally funded thing because when they see us they already see white well i say they 
when the majority of the culture looks at an American in their culture, they're going to automatically see US dollars. And that in many cases inhibits the work of the gospel because they're there for what they can get financially or materially, they're not as interested in the spiritual. Whereas when you can come in on a business level and you can say, hey, I'm an expat, we live here, we have a business here, this is what I do for my business. Now it's much more of a level playing field and, and they're interested in, in knowing why you're here, not just in getting what they can get, right? It, it's a totally different conversation. And at least here in Mexico where we are, it is, it is completely changed the way that we are able to minister to people. Like we can have conversations with them about their soul when they're sitting in our coffee shop or when my husband's helping them fix a door or paint their house or, you know, uh, other things like that where these people would have never. Gospel with them. Um, but but because of the relationship that the business establishes, now we can go much more deeper with them. Yeah, and I love you just mentioned. So y'all have a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. We do. And, you know, one of the things I've always felt, I've I've actually just put a lot of thought into what would the ministry that we saw in the early church, the Book of Acts, look like today. And literally coffee shop is one of the things that comes to my mind. Also startup and business and a lot of the things you're already doing too. So, so, so there's ministry in the coffee shop, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we expected our, our, our house is an old colonial house, 250 some years old. And we're right on a busy street where the bus passes. People sit right outside my front door to wait to get on the bus. And so we assumed that we would have a lot of foot traffic for our coffee shop. But coffee is sort of a luxury here. It's it's mm. it's not necessarily something that, that they would stop in the middle of their day for. It's more of like a, an evening calming down thing or, or a social thing. And what we found is that we get a lot more international visits because we're on the oh. on the Google Maps and things, and so a lot of uh, tourists and visitors from other places looking for a coffee shop will find us. And so we've had some really interesting opportunities to share the gospel um, through those different interactions. You know, what you're saying is so cool. I've always said that one of the most powerful ways to minister people is to just live your life and let your light shine. Or be, we could be salt and light. I guess we're supposed to be both. But just live your life. And I, I guess that's, I, I've never thought any different because of the way I came to Christ. And so I've always kind of wondered why missionaries don't just go work in an area and then just minister to people. That just makes so much sense to me. I know there's legal reasons and other things like that. And, you know, I, I went to Bible school with a guy, Katie, I think you'll dig this. He ministers to more people than anyone I know. And you know what? He's an Uber driver. And That's you know, amazing. That's it amazing. is amazing. And, and with the, you know, I, we go to business conferences now, you know, like I've had opportunities to give the gospel to a, an Asian millionaire who's not over 25 yet. I've had the opportunity to give the, you know, to, to hug a witch doctor 
and ask about his business and how can I help? Like, where else do you get that kind of engagement? Where else do you have people who are, you know, multi-million dollar company owners and, and they're dressed like a, like a hippie and walking up to you and saying, <laughs> you just light up the room. What is it about you? You know, and you get to say, oh, can I tell you? <laughs> Can I tell you what it is that makes me light up? I'd love to share that with you. Wow. And it's so many opportunities that never would have come had we just been in a little tiny ministry forever. Wow. That is, um, that is, uh, that is so cool. And I, I have one other question related to that because a couple of things you mentioned, I think, had a relation to this. And so I'm just going to kind of ask you, I ask this of a lot of people and it's really this, there is a problem with money in church world. There's a problem with making it. There's a problem with, it's one of the reasons why I use the word provision a lot of times instead of finances, just because it creates weird, it gets weird. So I would love for you to just talk about, maybe it's your journey, maybe it's observation, maybe it's whatever. I'm going to ask you to talk about, let's throw missions, business, making money, taking donations, all of that can really get weird with people. I think religion messes it up. And we're about to see some interesting things go on with, we'll call it the Americanized church structure. I'll go ahead and say this. I don't think it's prophetic. I think it's just me with background. A third to a half of all the churches in the United States are going to disappear in the next 12 to 24 months. They're going to be gone. They weren't sustaining themselves very well before. And, and if they can't open their doors and have people come in and pay some tithes, they're going to disappear. So can you talk a little bit about you and Tapyall's relationship with money and maybe how it's changed and how... Maybe you can share that with others that may be going through similar journeys that are in all of these circles. There's so much that I can say here. Um, first off, I agree with you. I think we're seeing a huge change in the way we do church, and I think it's I think it's needed. Um, we you're not a good Christian just because you go in a building any more than you're a banker because you walk in the bank. Um, and, and a lot of us have that skewed. And, and then I think too, when we think about the way that we outreach to people, um, so many, we'll have special services and invite your people to church. Like they're not gonna get saved coming to church. Some of them will, a couple of them will, you know, in Christ calls, they'll respond and yes. But the whole point of go ye into the world and preach the gospel is that you go, not that you invite them to come you go to where they are. And so I think that with the shutdowns and with people having to revisit how they do church, that we're, we're coming to realize that some of the stuff we thought was so absolutely necessary is not absolutely necessary to the gospel. And, and, and go, going from that into the money aspect of things, um, we lived, like I said before, we lived in under fear of man for so long as newlyweds, as new to missions, as, you know, new, new ministry people, um, going through the, the hurts and the heartbreaks that we went through with ministry changes and, and, um, all of that 
the Lord walked us through a lot of things. Um, but we were taking a lot of our security from money and we weren't secure because we didn't know how much was coming in from month to month. There was a lot of insecurity, a lot of anxiety, a lot of not trusting the Lord with that because so much of it we felt was tied to man. And, and it almost felt like man was more powerful than God to provide for us in some of those instances and walking through that and getting down to where you're at your last $5 in the bank. And you have to figure out what your next step is from here. Like those are big decision times that really make you evaluate what you think about provision and where it comes from and about the money. And, you know, never once did we go hungry. Never once did we have to have our power off because we couldn't pay the bill. Sometimes it was paid late, but we paid it, right? God always provides for what he calls you to. And First Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. If he calls you, he will do it through you. And that's one of the verses that I have clung to for so long because none of what we've done has been us. It has been God calling us and God doing it through us. There's no way in the world we could have done any of this on our own. And coming to terms with the money, we still have money issues left over from the way that we were taught to think about things. You know, my, my parents saved and saved and saved until they had enough to go buy what they wanted. There was never debt. Debt was a bad thing. Um, and I still believe that, that debt can be a bad thing. But what I've come to realize as an entrepreneur now where I'm making my, I'm making my own money and we're able to support the business through things that, that we do or that we control with God's guidance, I've come to realize that like God doesn't need money to provide for people money. There is no money in heaven. The streets are made of gold for crying out loud. Like there, there is, he talks about money in the Bible because money is an, our thing. Like we think about money. That's why he talks about it in the Bible, but God is not relegated to how much money he has or doesn't have to do things. Like it's just not a thing for him. Provision is a thing. And he promises to provide for what he calls us to. And so that could come through, a person who is a resource that could come through a thing or a bartering type situation that could come through money. It could come through a, any number of ways because he is the God of provision. And so coming to think about money, not as something that I have to have to survive, but as something that is a tool to do what he's called me to do has been a huge shift for Tap and I in in tent making or in business as ministry because now we are not it doesn't create those deep gut feelings of anxiousness as often um i'm not gonna lie and, and say we've got it totally conquered but as often because we recognize that god is the provider and the money is a tool and so how much i have in my bank account today or tomorrow or the next day is not a value statement of me and the work that i'm doing that is simply a tool to do or not do certain things based on what God is is calling us to do. And when I really got a hold of this, because in business you have to make money too. It's not just about how much you have or how much you spend, but it's also about how much you can make. And there's a lot of people who get really puffed up shirts and feathers in their hats about making X number of dollars in a, in a year or whatever with your revenue and stuff. But uh, one of my coaches, Jeff Walker, from product launch formula. He has a quote that says, it's sitting right here in front of me. It is your sacred duty 
to serve the world in this way and to over deliver because this is the gift you've been given to give the world regardless of whether they buy your course at the end of launch or not. And when, I, when that set in, when the truth of that set in, that money is a tool, this gifting, this, this way that I serve people is my sacred duty. Like when you, when you stop and realize that what God has called you to do is the best way in the world you can worship him, like money's just not as important anymore. And then you can stop spending so much of your anxious worry over how much you're going to make. And you can start thinking about how many people can I serve? And when that happens, things explode all over the place. Yeah, that is. um, Yes. And I'll tell you that the less I think about it, the more I have. And do you think that being an entrepreneur, a business person, all the books you have, you know, you've got a live event and we've, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Do you think that that just gives more conduits for God to get provision to you? Yes, I think it does. Um, but I don't like to look at it as, as it coming to me, I like to look at it as more conduits for me to serve people. Right. Um, it, it really well, it's both. is that it's both it's, it's both, both. Right? yeah it's both but when i focus on it coming in it stifles mm-hmm. i've got to be focused on it going out i have got to be about serving my people and whether that's in ministry or whether that's in business that's what this is all about that's why we're still here is because there's still people god wants us to impact mm-hmm. and so it's got to be about the people it's got to be about that sacred duty of doing what you were created to do to help the people you were created to help so they can be complete to help the people they were like it's it's all about the people we'd have no business we'd have no ministry if it wasn't for the people yeah is that the foundation of relationship marketing absolutely absolutely the relationship has to come first the money is a nice secondary but it's secondary it's got to be about the relationship they don't care what you have to offer until they know that you care can, can you tell when you're interacting with someone when they're only doing marketing and they don't have relationship tied to it? I generally can. I generally can. And, and in my people too, um, I just had one of my clients on Tuesday on, in our call said, um, she said, I'm trying to, trying to write this email sequence and I get to the one where I'm supposed to be offering them something and it's like, something's happening. Like, what is the deal? Why can I not write this and make it sound right? It's like, I get great opens and clicks on all these weekly emails. And then I get to this one and I get nothing. And I was like, cause you're going into sales. It's like, you've got to think of it as service still. How do you give value to them? Right. And so I can usually tell when people are getting off of the relationship and onto the sales, I'm like, nope, go back. How does it help them? How does it help them? That's how you're going to come through and be authentic with this. And that's, what's going to ring through for them. Yeah, that's good. You know, because for me, I can get in pitch mode pretty easy. And uh, the, the thing that the Lord works with me on is I have to remember the word share. Share, don't sell. Share, right. don't sell. And, yeah. and, and I have to constantly remind myself of that because I could, I could go into sell mode and start, I could, I've studied copywriting and all of those things. So 
That is great information. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Katie. There are so many things that I want to cover with you. However, I'm looking at my time and darn it, I'm already getting short on time (laughs) here and it bugs me. But a couple of things I want to ask, maybe these are just maybe one items you I think by the time this podcast releases you may have already had this event but for people that might see this on Facebook whether it's it's either alive or we've uploaded it uh, you've got an event that's coming up tell us about that what it's for who it's for and what um, what what it's all about sure so our company name is handprint legacy And so this event is going to be Handprint Legacy Live. And this is going to be one, it's our first three-day live event that we've ever hosted. It was gonna, supposed to be uh, in person, but COVID. So it's going to be virtual, a virtual experience. Um, And we're gonna spend three days with uh, faith-based small business owners or faith-based owners of small businesses, like one to 10 people. And maybe they don't have the marketing team that they feel like they need or they're not Marketing isn't a strong point. So this is a marketing training where we're going to take them three days through how to create their first or their next successful online marketing funnel. And this goes from uh, how to align all of your products so that people aren't joining for one thing and surprised by what else you offer. Um, And we're going to talk about how to make opt-ins and how to attract people to your brand and get them in and then how to create that relationship with them that brings them through to what it is that you really want to sell them that will give them that transformation in their life. And so we're going to have some special speakers and a lot of hands-on time, breakout rooms and networking and things like that. And just super excited to help these business owners get their marketing put together. Will this be your first virtual event with what's going on in the world? We've done a few ourselves and we've had much more attendance, much more engagement and it's been very profitable for everyone involved in virtual world. How, how about you? Have you noticed that? Or is that, is that what you're expecting? I virtual, guess? virtual events, uh, for obvious reasons, are outperforming live events right now. Um, and and the, one of the big pluses is that they're virtual. You don't have to spend the money to go and spend the money to stay at the hotel and spend the money for food and da-da-da-da-da. Um, it's much easier to set that side. It's time aside and, and attend from home, which means you've got more money to invest in whatever it is that they're, they're offering you. Right. Excellent. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, put a link for those that might be seeing this before the event. What, what's the date you can go August, and get it? It's going to be August 28, 29 and 30. Okay. All right. Very good. So, so it could be depending on if we have this in the final podcast or not, that it might be after that, but I'm sure that they could connect and, and, and get into one of the other events in the future for you. So excellent. Well, thank you for that. You, you have this very unique book named Faith Like Flamingos. And I actually have heard you speak about it a few times on some interviews and it's fascinating to me. I, I love creativity. I love when people can take unique, sometimes quirky, weird things and just build a message around it. And it seems like that's what you've done with this. And I just want you to know how impressed I am. So tell us a little bit about this book and we'll include links and we'll uh, in a little while we'll let people know how they can connect and get information from you. But where did that come from and what is up? <laughs> What's up yeah, with that? So 
I am not a flamingo fanatic. I, I personally, elephants have been my animal of choice all my life. Um, but we live in we live in tropical Mexico, and a, a year and a half ago, a little over a year and a half ago now, we decided. My husband and I decided. You know, we've we've lived here almost ten years. And we've never seen the flamingos where the flamingos migrate in Mexico. Let's take the kids and go. And so we did. And, and I've seen flamingos in a zoo. Probably those listening is, you know, you've had some sort of interaction with the birds. But um, I was just so like, it just, it just struck me somehow in a really big way when we got there that these birds didn't care a thing about us and what was going on around them like here we are invading their river on this boat with a motor and like they don't even look at you and we got within several feet of them and they just kept on doing what they were doing like they weren't scared they weren't um they they, they weren't interested they didn't come over and and you know be curious like nothing it was almost like we weren't even there. Like they were just continuing to do what they were created to do. There were alligators in this river and like that didn't bother them either. They're just out there, these flocks of hundreds and hundreds of birds and, and the pink, like to see blue and then to see green, like you expect that, but that this huge cloud of pink right in the middle. And the more I thought about it, the more God just kept bringing these lessons to me about how so many of God's people, especially the women that I work with in, in the entrepreneur world, they're fabulous. They're pink. They're amazing. They do some really cool things and they are so nonplussed. They're just like, yeah, I'm not any big deal, you know? And, and they're so oblivious to all, like how cool they are, how cool God created them like the flamingo. And the more I started studying the flamingo, the more cool things I dug up. Now I'm a teacher, remember? And so God just kept bringing these lessons. Like the flamingo is pink on the inside and on the outside. Their blood is pink. Their flesh is pink. Like everything about them is pink. Like we're not just saying they painted themselves, right? They are pink inside and out. And as Christians, that's what we're called to be too. It doesn't matter where you are in the world or what you're doing or what your business is or is not. If you're a Christian, you're a Christian doing all of those things. And so many times I'd had people say, well, you can't mix business and faith and you can't, you can't bring your faith into your business or you can't talk about God in your business. And I'm like, how can you not? If you're a flamingo, you're a flamingo all the way through. And so that's just one of the many lessons in that book. But essentially it's 25 days of short lessons biological lesson about the flamingo there's some science facts in there and then we we apply god's word to the christian business owner and what does that mean for you walking out your faith in your business being who you are on a day-to-day -day basis in the marketplace or in your home and um we just kept drawing those lessons in and and creating that and we got a bible study that we're working on to go with it that i think will be really good as like a church type bible study a group Bible study program. Um, but with COVID and the things that have happened, we've that's been delayed a little bit this year. We haven't got it out as quick as we wanted, but um, it's just been super exciting. We, we have a, a quarterly planner now that goes with it. There's a couple of journals out that go with it and just getting raving reviews on all sides because it's, it's an easy read, but they're really important messages that really make you think and then give you something to apply in a practical way to your business.
Yeah, was that, um, you've done a lot of books. I, I think this is your most recent. Is it somewhat of a, I don't want to say a culmination of all your experience and all coming together, bang with flamingos, but, uh, but I mean, would, would, would there be a lot of your life lessons that kind of came out in this? Yes, yes. Um, we definitely included a lot of life lessons, a lot of personal stories in there from ministry and from business. Um, I wouldn't say it's a culmination as in like we're done. Yeah. I think oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to. That. Yeah, no, no, no. I didn't mean that but, at all. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely think that it's it's not something I could have written 10 years ago for sure. It's something that the Lord is, has been working in me for quite a while and um, just brought out in a really creative way and people love it. Very good. Well, in just a little while, I'll ask you, you can let us know where people can go get that and, and other things from you. I, I think I would be, I think I would be disappointed if I didn't ask. I, I've got two final questions before my wrap up. I always joke, I'm kind of like Elvis. I've got like multiple, you know, curtain calls here. So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to do a few here as we wrap up. But what I would love to do, Katie, with your wisdom, with all your experience, I would like to ask you to speak to the person, mom, dad, parent, whatever, that might be faced with this daunting getting started in homeschool that, that many might be considering right now. If they're not, I think they should be, but that's a whole nother thing. And then I'm going to ask, so I want us to make sure we have time for this so we don't really, this is going to be kind of like a short little help them get started. I'm also going to ask the same thing for someone that might have a business thought or idea that they would like to start that. And those are going to be my last two questions before we do a couple quick wrap questions. So, so let's talk to the person that they're frustrated with all that's going on. Their kids are in, in school, out of school, online, not online. They might be fearful of, you know, some health issues or any type. They may not want them to wear masks, you know, for, you know, 10 hours a day or something like that. Whatever reason, they really want, they're thinking or leaning towards homeschool, but they either don't think they're equipped, they don't understand it. Can you give us a few tips and thoughts on, on homeschooling and getting started? I think one of the big things for homeschooling is is to know why you're doing it um, and and avoiding health situations is a completely legit re reason like whatever the reason just know why and know what would what would it take to change that reason because homeschooling like anything else is hard um, and and yeah they're home already and <laughs> you're already you know it, it, at least you don't have that transition right now but you know, like what would it take for you to not want to homeschool anymore or to want to continue to homeschool? Like, just think through why are we doing this? Is it because it's expected? It's be is it because it's our only choice? Is it because whatever it is, know your why, because that's what's going to keep you strong when it gets hard to do. And then I would say when you're homeschooling, you have a really unique opportunity to celebrate the strengths of your child that doesn't happen when they're in a room of other other peers. Um, and so look at what what things your child excels in. And if you don't know that, spend some time just getting to know your child, asking them questions and um, 
you know, play some games with them or do go, go on a walk where you can talk or do something, but try to get to know your child and what they're interested in and what their strengths might be. Um, because when you're homeschooling, you're able to uh, create the curriculum around whatever you usually around whatever you want to create you have your your state guidelines you have to go by of course but you have a lot more liberty to work with the curriculum so that you could enhance an opportunity that your child might have in the future because they got a little bit of extra attention in this area while you're homeschooling that wouldn't have been available in a regular school situation so look mm. for those things like i have got one that's really good at the art and music and things and so pushing her in that direction and giving her extra things to study or extra books to read in that direction i've got another one that's really math based right and so pushing them to do a little extra math or maybe they're doing um maybe they're doing fun math as well as a regular math curriculum or something like that but just to give them that extra leg up while you've got them home and able to do that i would say really look for that opportunity um and then as far as business goes uh when we started we knew we wanted the spanish business and we knew we wanted an english business because in our minds the english homeschool business would take off faster and earn money quicker the spanish we knew was going to be a slow grow because nobody would ever done this before in the spanish world um and 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 the homeschool movement in Mexico at, at least 10 years ago was about 30, 10, 20 to 30 years behind that of the US. So we knew it was gonna take a while to blossom, but if we grew with it, we would be big when it got big, right? Um, which is what we're coming into right now, this big mushrooming of everybody homeschooling. But um, so we started with two and everyone said, don't do two. You can only do one and do it well. You can only do one and do it well. And we always said, nope, God's asking us to do two. He's asking us to do two. And we kept with the two all the way through. We still have two. We still have the two businesses. Um, but I can see looking back how it would have been easier if I had just focused on one. And so if it's if it there, if you don't have something like we did where God is specifically telling you to start two businesses, then start one business and focus on one. And it doesn't have to be the one that it will be for forever to get started, but start doing something. The scripture verse that talks about God blessing the works of your hands. If you're sitting on your hands and doing nothing, he can't bless it, right? So do something and get it out there and do something that you enjoy or something that you that comes easy to you. And maybe it's not the thing you wanna do for forever, but if it's a fast path to cash, then that cash will give you the space to be able to develop the thing you really do wanna do a few steps down the road. So focus on one thing if it's possible, choose the fast path to cash and get it going. Um, take action, don't, don't sit around like no grass grows under our fences here, right? You've got to take action and get it going um, in order for God to bless it. And then once he does, then if it's not the main thing you think you wanna do forever, at least you'll have the time and the cash to be able to deal with that and, and grow something else out of it. Yeah, I love the, it's kind of hard to say, fast path to cash. I might actually get that domain name if you haven't already gotten it and we might fight, <laughs> we might get off the phone here because that's, that actually is pretty cool, good, uh, good marketing words there. Thank you for that because I think, I, I know there's a lot of value that you can bring to people 
And a lot of times people just don't know where to get started. And I wanted you to just give a little coaching and a little insight on getting started in those two areas. Katie, I've, I've so enjoyed talking to you. I knew, I knew that I would, and I know that we will maybe connect, maybe me and you and my wife and tap can kind of get on a call and, and compare some notes and, Anyway, I always joke with people, how big's your how big y'all's driveway? You have a driveway big enough for a forty foot R V? Can we come down there? Oh yeah, you could pull in here. We got Ni- room for you. Nice. We nice. We we need to get down that way. That would be awesome. What I'd love to do, let's just kind of wrap up with a few things here. How can people connect with you? Where do we want to send people so that they can get some resources, get some information and uh, and find out about uh, other things that you have available as well as the things we talked about? We're going to set up a special page for your listeners, Tim, um, katiehorner.com forward slash SGC. And we'll, we'll put a special page up for them and you can put it in your show notes or whatever. And everything we talked about, the books and all of that, we'll put all those links on there for them. Um, just make sure you spell Horner right. It's katiehorner, H-O-R-N-O-R.com forward slash SGC. Yeah, thanks for letting me know that. I've actually typed it out a few times when I was working on my notes, and Spellcheck keeps trying to change that to E-R, so it's O-R, O-R, O-R. So I think we've said it enough for everyone. Maybe we've gotten some neuro-linguistic programming going here with people and all. So um, what's next for you, Katie, for you, the family, or, or your business? I mean, we know you've got an event between probably now and the time the podcast comes out, but just in general, what's next for you? Right. So, so we've been working really hard this year to streamline what we offer and when we offer it to our people. So our handprint legacy event is our, our culmination for this year of, of the big things that we're doing. And then we'll be opening up our business with God and our successful online courses programs in a few months. Um, our 17th wedding anniversary is coming up soon. Oh. Um, so I'm not sure we'll get to go anywhere or do anything for that, but, um, that's kind of exciting. And then, um, we're hoping to be able to take the family to visit, um, extended family over, over the, uh, Thanksgiving holidays. So that's big on the kids list right now. Wow. Well, congratulations on the wedding anniversary. So we're, we're 31 plus years and it gets better and better and better and better. So anyway, uh, Seek Go Create is the name that we use here, Katie. Three words means a lot. Obviously, there's some cool words in there that I know you can can kind of guess where some of the origins are. But which one of those words jumps out at you or just kind of makes your insides do a little something? What And why? Which word? Create. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a creative through and through. Um, from my, my first poetry anthology in the second grade up through scrapbooking my kids' lives to, you know, creating best-selling books now and courses and events. And I am, I am all about the creative stuff. And I just, I think it's so cool that God created with his words. Like he just spoke and all of this amazing stuff now exists. And the fact that we are created in his image and we get to create life uh, with, with the things that we do and the words that we speak into people, um, not just for now, but like for a legacy, handprint legacy is, is all about 
leaving this for the next generation too, you know, and every book you write and every course you create is an asset that is an asset for your business in the, into the long term. But it's going to be something that your descendants, five and six generations from now, could benefit from. And how cool is that? Yeah, that is excellent. Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. And I know this has been a blessing for the listeners. Thank you for having me. I've had fun. Thank you so much for listening to Seek, Go, Create. I so appreciate Katie sharing her story of all that she's done with her family and and starting a business down in Mexico. I'm going to ask if this episode touched you, if it meant something to you, if you enjoyed hearing her story and how she's redefining success. I'm going to ask that you share that. Share that on all your social channels or just share it with someone right now. I do want to remind you of our upcoming episode that we have. Make sure that you have subscribed. If uh, the platform you listen to has subscribe button, subscribe. Because next week, this is something I was just blown away by this conversation. We have Rashawn Copeland. And let me just give you a number here. This guy has over 20 million followers on social media. Let me repeat that. 20 million followers on social media. He's a minister who writes and he says he's a writer who preaches. And and you're going to enjoy this conversation. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss that. And one final thing I want to I want to ask you is make sure you go to seekgocreate.com. Give us your email address so that you can be involved with all the giveaways and the celebrations that we're having for the one-year anniversary of Seek, Go, Create. See you next week.